welcome to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. Our mission is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. One of the ways we do that is through the preaching of God's Word, centered on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here's this week's message. Well, what's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? My my name is AJ, and I have the pleasure of serving as the Youth College and Missions Pastor here at Connection Church. And if it's your first time here, I want to welcome you. Our mission is very, very simple. We exist to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus. And can we just celebrate those baptisms one more time again? It's truly awesome to see people take their next step. You know, we always talk about that. After salvation, baptism is the one thing that you don't have to pray about. It is your very next step after salvation. To see them say yes and be obedient is beautiful. Well, one more thing to celebrate. This past week in Connection Students, I guess we had a little bit of miscommunication because at 5 o'clock, nobody showed up but seven kids. And the beautiful thing about it is, is that, you know, I've been in those circles where God has placed things on my heart to preach, and you think a crowd of people are going to show up and only five or six people show up. So as seven kids show up, I know all the leaders start thinking in our heads, like, what do we need to do? Do we need to cancel? Do we need to just play games with them, make it fun? I mean, we literally had a box and a half of pizza per kid that came that week. But I tell you what, I remember stepping outside and I began to think about, God, what would you want me to do? And I've, I've heard the voice of the Lord echoing in my spirit like I've done it before and I'll do it again. But I tell you that I preached the gospel and two out of seven kids got saved last Sunday. Can we celebrate? <laughs> well, moving on, we're in week two of a, a mini-series called Let the Nations Be Glad. And if you know me about missions, anything to do with missions really fires me up. So last week was super, super special for me and for our church. We actually had a chance to hear from our missionary, Bo, and he came and preached a powerful message to us. And if you don't know, Bo, is, he's, he's uh, from Connection Church by day, but he's from the Connection Network, and we were actually sending him out to Southeast Asia in January to go and plant a church. If you were here, you remember what he preached on. He preached on the book of Colossians, and what we saw from that text was that Paul who was the greatest church planner, missionary to ever exist, was talking about what should be our correct response of seeing Jesus as supreme in our life. What should be the correct response? And if you understand the correct response, it will, it will dictate what you should do with your life. So what we was talking about with Paul is that Paul probably would have had the words, the very words of Jesus echoing in his spirit when Jesus told him to go and make disciples of the nations. All right? And then not just for him, but it was for everybody that would come after him that we should live our life modeling what Jesus did. He lived his life on mission. So since Jesus lived his life on mission, what should I do with my life as well? But currently, as we stand today, 8,000 plus people groups have never heard the gospel or they're considered unreached. And what that means is that 2% or less classifies Christian out of those 8,000. That means that they may know of the name of Jesus Christ, but they don't know enough about Jesus to profess salvation or to be saved or to evangelize their own people group. And as Bo would have educated us on last week, out of 8,000 plus languages that have never heard of, that are unreached, 3,100 have zero access to the gospel whatsoever. What that means is they have no Bible track, they have no missionary to speak their language, there's no movie, there's no song, there's no nothing. They have completely zero access to the gospel. Because we all know that the gospel means the good news of Jesus Christ. But it's only good news if it gets to the hearer in time. One of the things that Bo said that I really loved last week that stood out to me is that it wouldn't matter if Jesus died 1,000 times if nobody had never heard about it. So what do we have to do? We have to take Jesus' word seriously. The Great Commission is not the great suggestion. That's what we should be doing with our life. As I tell our youth group so much, 
Hey, Jesus told, tells us to go and fish for men. And if you ain't fishing, then you're probably not following, right? Let me tell you something, Connection Church. God's will, after today, I want you to see that God's will will be done. And that God wants to use us as a church to accomplish his will. Every top-line blessing that you see in the Bible has a bottom-line responsibility. As you've been blessed with God through a vertical relationship, it should always flow out to other people. It never just ends in and of ourselves. We're indebted to the lost believers who haven't heard about Jesus Christ. We're indebted because we have this message of the gospel, and we have to go and tell them. So we're in their debt until we get it to them, right? We have to go and tell someone about Jesus. So today, if you have your Bibles, turn with me. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. If you don't have it on your Bible, look it up on your phone. If you don't have it on your phone, it'll be on the screen. Genesis chapter 12, the call of Abram. It says, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran, and he took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and his possessions he had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moor at Shechem, and at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent. It says, With Bethel on his west and Ai on his east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. And Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Everybody, can we bow your heads and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we just come before you, God, just to say thank you. God, we thank you for your grace, God. We thank you for your mercy, God. And just thank you that we get to come together and gather corporately, God, to hear and, and worship you, Father God. God, I know there are people in the room that you want to speak to today, God. So I pray right now, God, that you will condition their heart to be able to receive the word that's being preached today. And God, that you will anoint me as your fellow servant, Father God, as I humbly submit myself to you, God, that you will anoint my words, God, and that you will speak through me, God. Any nervousness that's in me right now, God, would it be gladly be removed in the name of Jesus? God, I know without your Holy Spirit, I'm just a motivational speaker at best, so God, I'm asking you to do what you only know how to do, God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So the main focus of my sermon today is centered around this quote right here, and this is what the quote says. The church cannot begin with personal comfort, it must start with personal sacrifice. Here it again, the church cannot begin with personal comfort. It must start with personal sacrifice. So just tell you a little bit about myself for a lot of, people, a lot of you that doesn't know me. For eight years of my life, I served in law enforcement. I was a dirt road deputy in Bullock County for five years, and then I moved to Dublin because my wife took a job at the VA, and she makes a lot more money than I did, so I guess I better move to the same city she's in because she's my sugar mama. So I, maybe I love you. I know you're watching online. So with that being said, I moved to Dublin being a good husband, right? And, but before I became in law enforcement, I did an internship with the U.S. Marshals. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into federal law enforcement. I wanted to go search up for the, the worst of the worst criminals. I want to lock them up and put them away. That's what I wanted to do with my life. And the Marshals was the way to get it done. I watched them do it many times. Well, during this internship, I had a U.S. Marshal tell me that, A.J., by the time you're 28 years old, it doesn't matter if you're with the Marshals or whoever you're with, he says, you need to have your foot in the door with the federal agency by the time you're 28. He said, I promise you, if you can get your foot in some federal law enforcement door, that you will have your career set. 
So I began to work. That was my addiction. I want to do, be a good police officer. I want to build a good resume. And I'm going to apply for these federal jobs. I'm going to land me a federal job, all right? Well, lo and behold, 28 years old, I finally landed my first federal job. I was a police officer at the VA. And it had a bright, promising future, the things I could have rose and what I could have did through the VA system, even the places I could have went from there. But as I got to that place, I began to feel this, this uneasiness in my spirit that this is not what God had for me. I had worked my whole life trying to, to make this thing happen so I can make them. That job was super easy. Literally, I made a bunch of money. My retirement was great, and everything was good. And yet, I, here I was, I didn't have peace in my heart. It was one of the things where when people told me when I went to the VA, make sure you pray, that's what God wanted. And I thought I prayed, but I really only prayed expecting God to give me one answer, and that was yes. If you would told me no, I probably would have still took it anyway. So I get to this job, and then next thing you know, I'm working, and things are going great, I thought. And then they hit me with a schedule change. They went from working 12-hour shifts to working 8-hour shifts. And that was going to change my schedule from working uh, every other weekend to now. I got to work Tuesday through Saturday, 4 p.m. to 12 a.m. And if you're a youth pastor, that schedule doesn't work because we meet on Wednesday nights. So I had to go sit with Buck, and Buck had to tell me that, AJ, we're going to have to find another youth pastor if you stay at this job. And I said, Buck, I got something for you. Hold on. I left, and the next day I put my two weeks in at the VA, and I went back to the sheriff's office because I was making room for ministry. And I told my boss, that I said, hey, I love you, and I love this place. I said, but my faith and my family is more important than this job, and I left. But the thing is that many people would ask me over and over and over again, AJ, why did you leave? You had all the benefits. You had the retirement. You were set. Why did you leave? At 28, bro, you're in there. Why did you leave? And I sat there and I looked and I couldn't think of a response. And I just kept thinking Jesus is better. And every time I look back on that spot when I left that job, the sacrifice that it took to leave that job, even me and my wife did not understand how we was going to pay our bills. Jesus was always better. Because when you truly step out on faith and you begin to follow Christ, it will require sacrifice. It will cost you something. For some of us, it might cost us our job. For some, it may cost you your career where you're at. It may cost you friendships or relationship, whatever it may be for some, but it will cost you something. And let's go back to my first point of this sermon, is that we serve a missionary God who has a heart for the nations. This is a series called Let the Nations Be Glad. Well, as I tell you right now, if you watch the news, the nations aren't glad. There's a lot of war and a lot of torn mess going on in the nations right now, so they aren't glad. I remember in, in Acts chapter 8, when Philip went to Samaria and planted the church, the very first thing it says that he was casting out demons and with impure streaks, the spirits came out. And he was healing the sick. And the Bible says there was great joy in that city. Why? Because there was a church planted in that city. But as of right now, the nations aren't glad. And we have the message of the gospel that's meant to take it to them. We are to live on mission. We serve a missionary God. And how do we know we serve a missionary God? Because he sent his very son on a very mission himself. John 3.16 shows you that. For God so loved the world. And who did he send? He sent his son, Jesus. Our God's a missionary God. But for us to grasp, I believe, Connection Church, what God is wanting to do in and through us, we must understand what God's will is. Because so many people are warning, God, what's your will for my life? What's your will for my life? But boom, I want to tell them, newsflash. God's will is not lost. Over 400 times in Scripture do we see the Bible mention the word nations. The Psalms are littered with nations of God wanting to draw the nations back to himself. Nations, nations, nations. Even Gentiles, when you see it in the Bible, Gentiles is a Greek translation of nations. So if you take that into consideration, over 526 times, I had to look that up, 526 times you see the word nations mentioned in the Bible. But I know that Bo hit on it last week, our missionary, he hit on it last week. He says that 3,100 languages have no access to the gospel. 
but yet we serve a God who's, whose will will be done. There's not going to be a day when we get to heaven and God says, I almost reached everybody. No, it's not. He is going to reach everybody. His will will be done. A common phrase I hear so much when I'm out in the streets, the people say, I'm ready for Jesus to come back. I was like, how are we ready for Jesus to come back when there's still so many who are lost? Matthew 24, 14 tells us that, and the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then what? Then the end will come. So if we're truly passionate about wanting to see Jesus come back, then we got to get serious about going and taking the gospel to everybody we come in contact with, right? To the ends of the earth, to the nations. Because think about this right here, Connection Church. Think about your kids right now. If your kids don't know Christ, don't ever accept Christ, and they die in their sin, where do they go? They go to hell, and they are eternally separated from God. But you know about the nations? The same fate that was, able, that was due to my kid is also due to the kids in the nations as well, and the people of the nations, except they don't even have access to it. And we've been commanded to go and take this gospel to them. Let us be obedient to what Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission. Because if we truly have God's Holy Spirit, because at the moment of salvation, what do we receive? We receive the Spirit of God, right? The Bible in Ephesians tells us that he marks us with a seal. That's his promised Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8 tells us that one of the purposes of the Spirit is for us to be a witness. That's what Jesus said in Acts 1.8. He said, you receive power when the Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. Witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. So if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, then we'll be passionate about being a witness for the kingdom of God. But as we continue to, to, to pack this out, what is God's will? I believe we must go back to the very first chapter of the Bible, in the, the very first chapter, the very first book, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27. I want to listen to what God told Adam and Eve, and this is what he says. He says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28 says, then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves along the ground. I said it at 9 o'clock. I'm going to say it again. This is a verse that our church takes very, very seriously. I think this past year we just had a, our third child. I think we just now hit the threshold of how we can be a member at Connection Church. We have three or more kids, it seems like. I mean, you just look at our growing kids ministry. I mean, we're popping at the seams with them bad boys. So we had to move to two services. It wasn't for adults. It was for kids. All right? But at Connection Church, we're not passionate about just having kids. We're passionate about adopting them as well. That's why we have on the third part of Generosity Initiative, we have a place for foster and adoption. We want some of that money to go towards enabling families to be able to foster and adopt kids. But one of the things I want to get back to is that if God creates something, if it is healthy, it will multiply. If you're a farmer and you have healthy cows in your pasture, guess what they're probably going to multiply into? More cows, right? So what about a Christian? If a Christian is healthy, what should he do? He should probably multiply into more Christians, right? He should make more disciples. What about a healthy small group? It should continue to grow and grow and grow, and you raise up more leaders, and you multiply into another small group. What about this church? This church was a result of multiplication. We are a church plant out of Connection Church by day, and then we send a Stanley off to go to plant Connection Church Wilco. A healthy church will multiply, all right? God's kingdom is full of, that's how it expands, is through multiplication. But then we think about Adam and Eve. God gives them the command to be fruitful and multiply, and we know what happens. They eat off the tree of knowledge, and then now sin enters the cosmos, and God had to kick them out of the garden. As he kicks them out of the garden, they go and have two sons, Cain and Abel, and sin continues to reign. We know what happens. Uh, Abel made a sacrifice, and Cain did too, and God didn't accept Cain, but he accepted Abel, and Abel, uh, Cain was jealous of Abel, and what did he do? He killed him. And therefore, sin continued to reign. 
So then we get to the story of the Bible called the story of Noah and Noah and the ark. How many of you know that story from your Bible story times growing up as a child? We know the story. God was on the earth and he looked at the earth and he saw nothing but chaos, nothing but sin. And it made him angry, right? So he was going to bring up a plan to, to wipe mankind off the face of the earth, but he only found one man that was righteous, and that man was named Noah. And what did he tell Noah to do? He told Noah to build an ark. So Noah builds an ark, and he gets his family on the ark and two pairs of every kind of animal, and then it began to rain. The Bible says it rains for 40 days and 40 nights to the point where the waters of the springs even burst forth and gave forth their water to the point where water covered the earth for 150 days. And then God calls Noah and his family off of that ark, and then now he resets the scene for his original purposes of going and, 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 and spreading his glory to the ends of the earth. Look at what he says in Genesis 9, verse 1, when Noah came off the ark. It says, when God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase the number and fill the earth. Second time in a few chapters in the Bible of God giving a command to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So are you beginning to see, Connection Church, what God's will is? We, are, we exist to enjoy his grace, extend to his glory. He wants his glory extended to every area of this world. The same commission given to Adam and Eve is now given to Noah as well. So when God flooded the earth, what was he doing? Was he resetting the, he was resetting the scene. Almost like if you ever played an old Super Nintendo, anybody had old Super Nintendo video games? You get to a bad place in the game where you're not happy with it, you hit that reset button and it goes right back to the beginning again. That's what God did with the earth pretty much, except he left Noah involved in it. He hit reset, and now we're back to going to multiplying and spreading the earth and filling the earth with his glory. And then now we get to Genesis chapter 12, where we're at today, and listen to what God says when he calls Abraham, all right? Listen to what he says to him, verse 12, chapter, chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your father, and your people's household, father's household, to a land I will show you. I will make you into a great name, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, many people think when I ask the question, when was the very first Great Commission given? A lot of people look at Matthew 28 as Jesus' last words. But when you look at these verses, and you look at what Jesus told us, when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was actually a great recommission. Jesus is just restating what the Old Testament was always talking about. This is, I mean, the missionary mandate of the local church today started with this passage right here. It started with the covenant of God and Abraham. And something else I want to point out in this passage that's simple but is yet powerful is the fact that he says that all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God says all peoples. Because I believe the gospel message, when it comes to you, does it stay with yourself? No. It goes through you on the way to somebody else. So how is God going to bless Moses or bless Abraham? How is he going to bless every nation on earth through Abraham? It was through a man named Jesus. Bo talked about it last week. I always say it like this right here. The Old Testament is Christ concealed. The New Testament is Christ revealed. Jesus is truly the key that unlocks the Bible. So how was Abraham going to be a blessing? Because his great, 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 great series of great grandchilds was going to be Jesus Christ. He was going to be the one sitting to the world to save us from our sins. But then he had to tell Abraham, though, all people. Because God knew the tendency of Abraham and later for us today to hang around people that are only similar to us. Because sometimes I feel like as Christians, we try, to, uh, uh, we try to insulate ourselves with our own tribe of Christians, if that makes sense. Well, you want to only hang with people that look like us, that act like us, that talk like us, that go to our same school system, that whatever it may be, same social status with us, and we forget about the truly the least of these that live in our community that God told us to go and reach. 
I remember our pastor scripture where Jesus was telling the, whatever, he was telling the people, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. Do we understand there are places in this community that people are scared to go into, but yet there are kids that are born into those areas that if you don't reach them, if we don't share the gospel with them, their eternity is hell just like ours would be if we didn't hear about it. All people that across racial territory, racial boundaries, that's across economical boundaries, wherever it may be. Where are the least of the, who are the least of these in this community that God's called us to reach? Who are the least of these that are in your school systems that God's called you to reach? What about in your workplaces, whatever it may be? It doesn't matter what they've done. Let me tell you something. God loves them anyway. Because if God can rescue me, he can rescue them, and God has a heart for them as well. So I believe God had to be specific, all people. I think God's specific with us as well. And I think God was clearly communicating that he clearly communicating that he wants people from every distinct people group on the face of the earth at his throne. Revelation 7-9 proves that to us. So one of the things I, I, I love to say is that there's a verse in the Bible that makes it super, super clear what God's will is. And that's 2 Peter 3-9, and this is what it says. It says, God is not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. So if we take that verse and we take it at its face value, what does it say? That God wants everyone to be saved. All people, every nation, somebody across the, whatever it may be, they want them all to be saved. Because our Connection Church, something I want to show you through these passages that, guess what, God? God's will is going to be done. With or without Connection Church, God's will will be done. He will be worshipped among the nations, and we have seen this command three times now that we are to take this gospel outside this church, and now we must go to the community and reach those cross-culturally. The Connection Church, I want you to understand that you are uniquely designed and placed where you are today to accomplish God's plans in the earth. Do you believe that God can take some one country from Dublin, Georgia, and use them in the nations? Do you believe that? Because I saw that last week with my buddy Bo. If you don't know Bo's story, Bo was a farmer in Tattnall, Georgia. He went to ABAC. He probably dipped a little bit, I'm sure. And God has taken this old country boy, and he has sold his life, sold everything, and now he is moving next month to go plant a church in the nations that have zero access to the gospel. He's going to a country, actually, that's called a canned country, meaning it's closed access nation. So he has to be real strategic how he's to get in. Because anything can get him kicked out, killed, or you name it. And my man is taking his whole family and his team over to the unreach. Connection Church, all of human history has been moving to this completion of one mission. Because one day, guess what? The mission is going to be complete, and what's going to be left is his worshipers. Let us be passionate about worshiping. Let's be passionate about uh, seeing people, God, worshiped among the nations. Let's be passionate about what he is passionate about, and that's taking his glory to the ends of the earth. Let's go on to point number two. Point number two says, being obedient will require commitment. Here again, being obedient will require commitment. Let's hone in right here. Verse four says, so Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So he took his wife Sarah, his, Lot, his nephew Lot, all the possessions he had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran, they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. So as we read these verses, something I want us all to hone in on right now, and I believe this is pivotal for every one of us as believers, is that faith demands commitment. Hear it again, faith demands commitment. Let me tell you something about commitment. As I go and I begin to do ministry, as I do all these things, I'm starting to see that commitment is a vanishing commodity in the church today. As I deal with young people, and many old as well, people just don't want to be committed. They don't want to commit to a job. They don't want to commit to a marriage, but rather stay living in sin. 
They even don't want to commit to joining a church or whatever it may be. Always finding excuses why they can't do this or that, why they can't serve God's bride, why they can't serve Christ's bride, the church. It's a commitment problem. It's a commitment problem. Hear it again. It's a commitment problem. So what we're pretty much saying at that point is, God, I want to do things my way. When we don't commit to his church, we're saying, God, I want you to bless me, but God, don't instruct me. I want to do things my way. I call you when I need you is what we're saying when we don't commit. I see a church today that are full of, I see it so many times, I hear the stories that are full of a lot of temporary believers. Jumping from one church to another, playing leapfrog with churches is what I call it. Because somebody made them mad or somebody hurt their feelings as if a pastor's going to get up here and say everything that's going to be, that's going to fulfill you anyway. You got to get that from the Word of God yourself. But what I want you to see right here is that our God is a God of covenants. He's not a God of contract. A contract says, if you do this, then I must do this in return. Now, on the other hand, our God is a God of covenant, 110% dedication, right? A God of covenant. And when he, Jesus comes on scene, he proves that he's a God of covenant. He's come to fulfill his promises. I remember, how many of you have prayed a prayer like this before? God, if only you would get me through such and such situation, I promise you I'd be faithful to you. When I was in my Georgia Southern days, I prayed that prayer many a days, and I woke up in my bed, and my head was hurting. God, if you just take this feeling from me, God, I promise I'll follow you. I promise I'll stop the, the nonsense. But let me tell you something about those promises we make to God. We are not saved by making promises to God. We're saved by believing God's promises to us. All right? We're saved by believing God's promises to us. It was God that called Abraham. It was God that gave him his covenant. And look how my boy responded. He responded with faith. That's what he's asking you to do, to respond in faith. Listen to verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. So what do you see here? God promised Abraham that the nations would be blessed through him. And look what he did next. My man's faith found his feet, and he began to walk. His faith found his feet, and he went. Immediate obedience is what I call that connection, church. And I firmly believe that that's how you respond to the promises of God. When you see him as supreme over your life, this is how you respond to his promises. And as you begin to respond to his promises, God's will will be done in your life. I promise you on that. The Christian Life Connection Church is a life of faith. And as I study and prepare this message, even seen in my own life, the life of faith must never stand still. If your feet are going, I promise you your faith will be growing. If your feet are going, I promise you your faith will be growing, Connection Church. And I mean... Just focus on the verbs that God is using in this passage. Verse 4 says that Abraham went. Verse 6 says then he set out. Verse 6 says again that he traveled through. Verse 8 says he built. Verse 9 says he continued on. My man's faith had found his feet and he was walking out. My gosh, if you have faith, you will move. Connection Church, where would we be today had Abraham not committed his life to move? If you just heard God's command and said, God, you know what, not me. You can do that to somebody else. What would the church be today? Did Abraham have all the answers to every step God was calling him to? No, he didn't, but he rested in the promises of what God had already promised him. And as he stepped out on faith, God was faithful to meet him where he was and give him further direction. But just to put it another way, by a show of hands, how many of you have been affected by Connection Church Dublin? Just imagine if Buck was never committed in his faith. 
If Buck was never committed to the vision that God gave him of planting a church that's in the city to reach all people, where will we be today? Where will I be today? I have no idea. But I'm telling you, I'm thankful that a man was committed to, to put his yes on the table and go to wherever God was leading him, to go to plant, plant a church. So Connection Church, don't underestimate what God can do through a lifetime of faithfulness and commitment to him. I promise you on that. And going into my last point, point number three is being obedient will often require sacrifice. Here again, being obedient will often require sacrifice. Verse 6 says, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Moreh at Shechem, and at that time the Canaanites were in the land. Because the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. My man was worshiping is what he was doing. Verse 9 says, Then Abram set out and continued toward Negev. Just do a quick recap to catch you back up. God's desire will be filled. God's will will be filled on the earth. So what is he asking for? Glory. He's asking for worshipers that will give him glory to the ends of the earth from every nation, tribe, language, and tongue. So he made a covenant with Abraham, and he's directing Abraham that I will bless the nations through you. So what is Abraham doing now? He has stepped out on faith. He was taking no questions asked, immediate obedience. My man had no idea where God was leading him, and if he did, would it be really called faith at that point? All right? God promised him to be a great nation, and God promised his brother he will become a great nation. But the question is, is how do I know Abraham stepped out on faith? The little detail of that is he is 75 years old when God gave him that promise. I'm going to give you a newsflash. I ain't seen many 75-year-olds that are nine months pregnant yet, have you? So when God tells the old man he's about to have a baby, that's called stepping out on faith, ain't it, all right? But that's what I love about this story, that every time, though, when Abraham stepped out on faith, guess who was faithful to meet him there every step? God was, with further instruction. Listen to verse 7. It says, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, this is after he went. It says, the Lord appeared to him and said, to your offspring I would give this land. So he built an altar there, and he an altar there to the Lord, he who appeared to him. So before we move on, I want you to see a pattern. Is that not only does obedience lead to greater blessing, but it also leads to greater clarity on God's will, purpose, and direction for your life. Hear that again. Obedience leads to greater blessing, but it also leads to greater clarity on God's will for your life, purpose, and direction. God will speak in line with your obedience, not with your rebellion against him. That's something that needs to be heard today. And sometimes I hear so often when, when I ask people, can I pray for them, they ask for clarity. Can God, can you give me clarity? Give me clarity on this, clarity on that. Now, I've even asked this myself many years. God, give me clarity on what my next step is. And as Christians, I believe there is a responsibility that we have to wait upon the Lord and wait for him to speak. But with that being said, I believe God has already spoken. And guess what is written in? It's written in his word. If you want to hear God speak, spend time in his word. If you want to hear his voice, spend time in his word. If you want to know what God is like, you got to spend time in his word. If you want to know what his will is, you can see it from Genesis to Revelation. you got to spend time in his word, right? But so many times we're waiting for burning bush moments from God when all God wants to do is be obedient to the last thing he told us. I think so many people are waiting on God to give them next step, next step, next step, but you ain't took the first one I told you to take. I know so many kids that, that, that want to do all these things for God, they hadn't been baptized yet, and that's the very first step. Well, there's so many things down the road. I remember with me in my life, there were things that I was struggling with behind closed doors that my wife knew nothing about. Me trying to take all these next steps, and God was asking me to take my first one, commit, confess it to your wife. 
And for some of us, we got to understand that. We got to get to that place where God is wanting to root things out of you, but you want to do everything else. But no, let God deal with you right now. Let him cook is what I call it. I can get up here week in and week out and tell you to go and make disciples. I can't make you do that if you don't worship God on your own. God is desiring worshipers in this season. He's wanting you to be on your knees. Your best work's going to be done on your knees in the morning before you ever get up and walk for him. Buck always says it's called, we're called human beings, not human doings. Out of your being with God, you find what you should be doing with your life. So how do we be with God? We spend time in his word. How do we be with God? We meditate on his word. We pray. We do those things because God is wanting to do something in and through you, Connection Church Dublin. I don't know why I keep looking over here, but God must have something to say over here. <laughs> but you want to know what fired me up about living on mission for the kingdom of God? It was when I would read this word and I would see men of faith. Ordinary men stepping out on faith and God used them mildly. Men that were just as messed up as I was. We talk about Noah earlier. Noah got off the ark and got drunk. We talk about David. David killed somebody. Paul's killing Christians. Peter and John were fishermen. I can only imagine how they talked. And God consistently over and over and over again used these men. And I'm telling you, the same is, the same is sufficient for you as well. That God has a plan for each one of you, and he can use each one of you. And as I begin to read this word and see these men step out on faith, it, that's what mobilized me was just reading it and seeing these stories. And I said, God, I'm an ordinary man. I'm just an ordinary, untrained man as well. You can use me too. Don't underestimate what God can do through a life that's surrendered to him. But for a lot of us, we're too comfortable. For a lot of us, we're, and we're okay being comfortable. We live in a society where they tell you that the, the American dream is available to all of you. As we begin to grow older, the American dream is not even a thing at all. American dream is the thing that's going to lead you right to hell, I promise you on that. Back in the day, I said, back, I'm not that old, but I'm 32. So I, have a, I do a lot of different things. Outside of preaching, I have my own shop at the house where I work on cars. I ceramic coat them, I polish them. Um, black people were really good at cleaning cars. So with that being said, I clean cars on the side. I don't know where that came from. All right. So I clean cars on the side, but I also work on cars as well. So back in the day, I had a 2001 Chevy GMC Sierra, 2500. It was a diesel truck. had big tires on it. You thought I was a redneck if you didn't if you, if you see me with the, window up, with the window down. With that being said, that bad boy leaked from every area it could leak from. The power steering pump leaked. The transmission leaked on that bad boy. The brake cylinders leaked on that sucker. And every time it stopped driving, I just put more fluid in to get it back running again. That's how I changed it. I didn't have to change the oil in it because it leaked the oil too. I just, when it got low, I just... It has a natural way of changing its own oil. <laughs> but every now and then, I'd be driving that bad boy, and I knew it when it needed power steering fluid because that joke would get there as I was turning. And it would get really, really hard. And I was a strong guy at the time. So there'd be days where I'd be in Dublin, and I was coming up to a four-way stop, so I knew that bad boy had been, had been whining. And I said, either I need to go get some power steering fluid, or I'm about to make it to the house. And I'll try to make it to the house because I didn't want to spend no money. And I'll be at that red light, and that joker, or I'll be at a four-way stop, and i got to make a left-hand turn, and I knew it was out of transmission fluid or power steering fluid because when I grabbed that bad boy and tried to turn it, it was like an act of God to get that bad boy to move. And if you older people in here, y'all probably drove cars before that had no power steering, so you know how hard it was to drive a car with no power steering. 
right? It's almost impossible if that joker ain't rolling to get it to move in the right direction, right? So in saying that, I believe the same thing with God. God doesn't steer parked cars. Well, what about Philip and the early church and all those early believers that they obeyed when it was uncomfortable? I look at, 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 at uh, uh, Abraham's story. He obeyed when it was uncomfortable. Because I believe that when you're comfortable, guess what you won't do? You won't move. J.D. Greer says church is a movement of people. And if you aren't moving, then you probably aren't part of the movement. So one thing I want to warn you, Connection Church Dublin, is don't allow Satan to get you parked in your faith. God doesn't steer parked cars. He wants you to go and make disciples. He makes it clear in the Bible, go and make disciples. And I'm telling you, as you are beating to what God has already told you to do, you begin to get greater clarity on what he wants you to do next. But a lot of us, we hadn't took that first step yet and done the first thing that God told us to do. But the last thing I want to say before we land the plane, I call the worship team back up, y'all can go ahead and come back up, is that sacrifice. Obedience will often require sacrifice. Verse 8 says, from there he went on to the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Let me tell you something about Abraham's faith, Connection Church. It caused him to surrender his comfort. It caused him to surrender his security. It caused him to surrender his reputation. Sometimes, something I want to radi- uh, 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 point out right now is the radical nature of his obedience. When God called him, he left everything to follow him. And for some of us, God has called us to do the same thing. For some, it's requiring you to step out of your job. Because your job is probably leading you down a path that's not even glorifying to God anyway. For some of you guys telling you, you got a sinful relationship that you're in because you're living together and having sex outside of marriage. For some, God's calling husbands to go home and love their wives the way Christ loved the church. And that's going to call sacrificing your pride on top of it. That's something I had to walk through myself. Because men in here, we all know we struggle with pride. Let me tell you something about God, though. God is concerned with the heart. And if he has your heart, then I guarantee he will have your behaviors as well. He will have your obedience as well. He will give you a heart that will take a next step as well. Just remember Bo's story from last week, man. I tried to keep talking about his story. Obedience took sacrifice. Taking a step down, I look at Buck's story. Buck's story required sacrifice. My man had a lucrative job as an assistant principal and a head wrestling coach. His dream job, and God called him to plant a church. I remember hearing him talk through his story. He's like, God, I'm surrounded by broken kids every day. Why would you send me out of this? And God says, I got a greater plan for the next generation. And he put his yes on the table and he went. I look at Stanley. Stanley left a six-figure job to go plant a church. I don't know if you know anything about being a pastor. We ain't rolling in money. I'm going to tell you on that one. Obedience most often will cost you something. A lot of times we step into faith, and if it don't cost you something, is it real faith that you're walking in? You cannot have God and have your sin as well. Draw a line in the sand today and say, God, I choose to follow you and all of you, and God, reveal it to me where I'm falling short. Reveal to me what is inside of me right now that's keeping me separated from you. God, reveal to me what is in me that's keeping me clouded from seeing you rightly. Let that be your prayer today as you come down to this altar and you confess some sin to God. Let that be your prayer as you come and you're seeking clarity. God, where would you have me? What would you have me to do? I need that clarity that Aethan was talking about. What is my next step? And give me the faith to even take that next step. 
But to finish up here, I want every head bowed, every eye closed. The Christian life is about taking next steps. We talk about it so much. What is your next step? What is your next step? But for some, I'm asking you today, would you take your first step? Because we talked a lot about going and sharing the gospel and taking the gospel to the nations. But I want to tell you something today, that you can't take a gospel to a nation that you don't know yet. You can't take a gospel to your friend that you don't know yet. Maybe you're sitting here today and you've prayed a prayer at a vacation Bible school. You've prayed a prayer at a revival service, whatever it may be, a sinner's prayer that I always say is mentioned nowhere in Scripture. I'm asking today, when did you surrender your life to Christ, to this good news of Jesus Christ? When did you make him Lord of your life? Because everybody wants a Savior, nobody wants a Lord. I'm asking today, when did Jesus become your Lord? So maybe you're here today and you realize that, hey, I don't have a relationship with Christ. I do not want you to leave this door until you bump into a relationship with Jesus. I beg of you. If you feel something working on your heart right now, understand that is God's Holy Spirit drawing you to himself. God desires a relationship with you. So we talk about this gospel being good news, but how is it good news until you understand what the bad news is? And what's the bad news? That you're born to sin. The sin that you're born in separates you from God. So if you walk out of this door and you took your last breath and you have never accepted Christ truly in your heart and your debt hadn't been paid, you will spend eternity separate from God in a place called hell. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 4 says, but God. One of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture, but God. The Bible says, but God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were lost in our transgressions and our sins. It is by grace that you have been saved. And what does grace mean? It means unmerited favor. It means receiving something that you don't deserve. Maybe you realize today that I don't want to leave here until I get my life right with the Lord. I'm going to ask you to be bold in this moment. If that is you in this room right now and you want to give your life to Christ for the very first time, would you raise your hand? Amen. I got two. Anybody else? I got three. Is there anybody else that want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of their life? But to each person that raised their hand, I want to speak to you individually right now. I believe the moment you got saved is not when you recite this prayer that we're going to walk through. I believe the moment you got saved was the moment you raised your hand and responded to the gospel. So I want to assist you at this moment to, to help guide you in a prayer for the very first time to your Father who's in heaven. And it, it sounds something like this. Repeat after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am, a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. He was fully God and yet fully man. He was hung on a cross and buried and raised on the third day with all power and authority in his hands. I repent of my sin and I turn to you Come into my heart and make it new and declare this over your life right now. I'm saved. I'm saved. Praise God, I'm saved. Can we celebrate, church? I know this sermon's ending, but God ain't done here today. There's still some business to be dealt with at the altar here today, so I challenge you. Come down to the altar and do business with your daddy who's in heaven. 
God showed up here today. He, was already, he didn't have to show up. He was already here. The salvation is evidence of that. That's a, one of the biggest miracles that we ever going to witness in his life. So I'm asking right now, what is your next step? I pray that you have the faith to take that next step. Let us pray, church. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, God. We praise you, God. We give you all the honor and all the glory. And God, I'm just thankful, God, how you would take someone as sinful as me, God, and you would rescue me to come preach your gospel. God, I'm thankful that when your word is preached, God, it doesn't return null and void. God, I'm thankful for the lives, the eternities that will change today, Father God. God, and I celebrate with all of heaven right now, God. So God, I pray over these believers that got saved today, God, that you would protect them. God, we know that Satan exists to kill, steal, and destroy. So I'm asking right now that you dispatch angels, God, to stand guard in every area of their life, God. Their mind, their heart, their soul, their homes. God, would you protect them, Father God? God, give them desire to be obedient to you, God. Desire to read your word, God. Desire to, to, to go all in with you, Jesus. And for the rest of us in this room, God, I pray that when we leave this room, Father God, that we're relieved so full of the Spirit, God, that we'll go to every person we come in contact with and we will share the good news of Jesus Christ. No matter what they look like, we will share the good news of Jesus Christ. For the husbands in the room, that we will love our wives the way Christ loved the church. We will love our kids and love everything that we come in contact with, God. But lastly, God, I just thank you and I just praise you for Jesus. And while we're yet sinners, you sent your son, Jesus, to die for us today. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the Connection Church Dublin Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message stirred your affections for Jesus. We would love for you to subscribe to the podcast and share it with others. For more information about our church and other resources, please visit ConnectionDublin.com.